This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Bridget McGowan here. Welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me Char Spicer. And let me tell you very quickly, she is an award-winning speaker. She is an Amazon best-selling author, and she is a phenomenal life coach. That's all you need to know. There's no further information from a bio because those are your three main points that you need to know about Char. Char, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited too. And this is why I'm excited. Or here's one of the reasons there's a number, but here's one of the reasons I'm excited. Listeners tend to tune into the show because they are looking for some strategies and some ideas and just ways to get more confident on that microphone. And you and I were talking before before we hit record. And I found out that you have not always been this big time confident speaker, but then you kind of have, and that it's, it's not clear cut. Talk to us about you and your confidence and maybe even give us a story as to how you moved from one place to another space in order to get to where you are and owning the microphone today. Okay, sure, sure. Now I've always been a bit of a ham for the camera. I've been the person where if there's a group of us and somebody needs to take the lead, I'm that person. I'm the person that gives advice to all my friends. But the funny thing is I kind of limited myself to my circle. I limited myself to, oh, let me see if I can help you with that. And then one day, um, you know how life happens and you, and you get to this point where you have an epiphany where you understand that your gifts are so much bigger than the five people that you keep helping over and over again. And not that there's anything wrong with helping those five people, but you grow to understand that there's something a little bit different about when you talk. Um, People stop talking and they, they look at you and they stare at you and they hang on every word. And then you start to realize that, wait a minute, I've got something to say. And it's something that people need to to know and that they need to hear and people need to be inspired. They need to be motivated. And that's that's what I do. I'm that person where it's like, you can do it. I worked with one young lady one year and she said, well, you know how she is. If you tell her you're going to open a bakery, if she runs into you three years later She's going to say, hey, how's that bakery going? That's what I do for people. I help push their dreams out of them and let them know that it's possible. So the transition for me became, how do I shift from helping these five people to making my gift available for the world? 
um, that's where the confidence needed to come in because the confidence is, is a, such a big part because you have to understand that maybe you're not for everybody, but you're for somebody and you've got to just get out there and you've got to tell your story because our stories have the power to set other people free. And once I realized that, I realized that it was not just a passion, not just something I like to do or that was fun. It became a responsibility. It's, it's more of a calling. So we all have that as individuals that we, we can tap into. I am sitting here jotting down notes and there are so many huge takeaways that I have just from that one response. But one of my questions that I have for you based on something that you said, and that is uh, your story has an ability to set people free. What is your story? What is your core message or the the main topic or few topics that you speak on that you speak on most of the time or that people most request of you? <laughs> okay, so I have a story behind my story. Love <laughs> it. it really, really quickly. <laughs> when I decided to make a transition from corporate America, I'm an insurance professional by trade. And so I decided, you know, I've got to get out here and I've got to tell my story. Well, I thought I was just going to kind of play it safe. I'm going to help women. I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to help women start their own business and kind of like get their groove back. But Bridget, the problem with that is I wasn't getting much of a response. And if I was getting a response, the response came with some personal troubles that they were having. And we end up taking the conversation in a totally different direction. But for me, the challenge became, I don't want my broken pieces out there. I, I want to play it safe. And then when I began to understand that, you know what, it's your broken pieces that help make up this masterpiece. And the, the reason why I couldn't pull my vision together was because I kept leaving pieces out. I kept leaving out like the failed relationships. I kept leaving out like the, the pattern of feeling that I attracted a certain type of person and not wanting to deal with that and being the person that okay, she's good at giving everybody else advice, but I'm not good at seeing my blind spots. I didn't want to tap into that. But, you know, we get to a point in life where sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not intentional. And I began to realize everybody doesn't make it through what you've come through. So to answer your question, after I've gone through all these things where I'm back to the drawing board, back to the drawing board, I ended up with the topic of narcissism. And I didn't know the statistics. I didn't know how prevalent this had become. I didn't want to tell my story because I felt that, why didn't you see this? And I would also listen to people say things like, well, if you keep ending up with a certain type of person, you're attracting that. And so there was a bit of shame. There was a bit of confusion for me because it's like, how are you helping so many other people, but you can't see that there's a covert narcissist right next to you that's been your friend for two years? How did you miss that? And Bridget, the 
story became one of redemption, restoration. It became one of healing. It became one of, you know what? You're not attracting all the crap that comes to you. You know, there's a passage that says the devil roams to and fro seeking whom he may devour. If you're a lion and there's a gazelle, you're not attracting that lion. You're simply a gazelle. And that lion, if you're not careful, if you're not watchful, that lion is going to get you because they've been sitting there ready to pounce on you. But if your head is in la-la land, and if you don't have your boundaries up, if you're not using your intuition, if you're not using your discernment, that lion is going to pounce on you. So I begin to help people get free because for the first time, they no longer felt guilty and shame. They no longer felt that, well, wait a minute. I I didn't bring this on myself. I didn't attract this. I was targeted. And that's a big difference because then you switch them from a victim mentality. And when you get people out of a victim mentality, that means they can look forward to being a victor. I can then say to them, just like I'm telling you my story, you need to go now, once you get healed, and you need to go tell your story. And it needs to be a trickle effect. It needs to be a domino effect. And maybe you can't stop the narcissist, but in turn, maybe you can help someone avoid narcissistic abuse because you can help them identify it. And that became my story. And I'm okay with that now. And I'm I'm actually glad to do it because I'm here to serve. And if I can help someone, that's, that's what I do. Think back to one of your most memorable presentations. What made it so incredible? What did you do? The thing that makes it incredible is that when I first started speaking to people, I would try to follow this system of checking off my points, making sure I had my index cards and what I realized that even though it was a good talk and it was a good speech, there was this one other speaker that said something to me that changed everything. And he told me, he said, you know what? I loved your speech, but next time I see you, I want you to bring the fire. And I thought, okay, okay. I'm going to bring the fire. And Bridget, you know this from being a speaker, And some people call it different things. They call it getting into your mojo. They call it being in the zone. Some people call it the anointing. Some people call it all different types of things. But there's something that happens when you start speaking from the heart, because what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And the one thing that people may not be able to put their finger on when they're listening to certain speakers, and that thing is that authenticity. And it's like, why does this speech resonate more with me than that speech? Because they were both good, but it was something about this speech and I can't put my finger on it. 
So what I like to tell speakers is that stick to your authenticity, stick to what makes you you. If you're a bit quirky, it's okay to be quirky. It's okay if Sometimes we get into this public speaking space and we're so focused on, I don't want to say, um, I don't want to say, ah, I don't want to get focused on my filler words. And then the next thing, you know, your speech is over, but you didn't connect. So practice in, 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 in private practice with those filler words, practice on the perfection of it. But then when you get on stage, bring the fire. Stop worrying about your presentation and worry about, am I connecting? Am I pouring out for this 45 minutes, for this 20 minutes, for this five minutes? Am I digging deep and reaching in and giving something of myself to people? That's what you want to do because that's what reaches people. You know, when we think about presentation, presentations, Char, we think about exactly what you were just talking about, the being perfect and making sure the slides are perfect and making sure my body language is perfect and I'm watching the filler words and so on. And what was really key, and I wish someone had told me what you just told me. I wish someone had told me this back in 2001, 2002, and that is focus more on being myself. And don't worry about whether people are going to like you or not, because check this out. They are going to like you far better if you are yourself than if you are pretending to be someone else. And it makes it so much easier to give a fantastic presentation if you are yourself. But see, I've not always embodied that, Char. Yes, I'm on Mm -hmm. uh, myself on the stage. Absolutely. But... I can and have paid so much very close attention to all of the details to the point where I finally got comfortable enough to see more of myself. Those presentations are so much more enjoyable. And then you worry about the fine points and you worry about fine tuning and reducing the use of filler words and making sure you're using the eye contact and making sure that you're asking enrolling questions or that you're doing the anchoring with your body language and enrolling questions. Everybody is things like asking the audience, how many of you have been afraid to step out and do something scary, right? Those are enrolling questions. That means you're enrolling them and getting them on your side and getting them thinking the way you want them to think. And then anchoring is where you're using your body language to point away when you talk about something negative, but to point toward you when you're talking about something positive. And that's to ensure that it's about audience perception and perspective. You are the captain of that ship. That's right. This this may sound a little manipulative, but you are steering their thoughts for those 20, 30, 60 minutes, you are steering their imaginations. And as much as possible, you want to steer their imaginations in positive directions. You want to steer their imaginations to think the way that you want them to think that the way that you want them to think. I also think about being yourself on the stage Mm -hmm. and how that makes things so much easier for you because it, 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 this reminds me of something I've heard time and time again. If you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. 
if, <laughs> right? So if you are just yourself on the stage, you don't have to worry about too, too, too much of the details, right? Absolutely. It just kind of takes care of itself if you are yourself. The Absolutely. Truth, right? The, the memory <laughs> takes care of itself if you just always speak <laughs> with honesty. Absolutely. About that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the point that you made about like we're in charge. Um, but it's almost like, like the thought that came to mind when you said that is we're taking people on a journey. We're taking that. And so we're driving, but it's, it's like a tour guide. We're taking them on this journey with us and we're pointing out visually look over here, this happened. And you're painting this picture for them because really at that moment, they're on this journey with you. But at the same time, they can see themselves on that journey. So that, that's that, awesome. That's what you want. You want them to see themselves on the journey. It's just like when you are selling a house and mm-hmm. your realtor encourages you to stage the home, make it look yes. like it's lived in and you're giving them ideas. You're giving prospective buyers ideas of what the home would be like if they lived in it. You want them to be able to see themselves in it. So you depersonalize your home some, but then you Mm -hmm. also stage it so people can use their imagination and see themselves in this home. You want people to see themselves in your journey, in your stories, in your core values. Shar, what are some of your core values? My core values are faith, family, and community. Those are my core values. I often tell people that it's really important to know your core values, especially in this space, because you're going to get inundated with sales pitches, offers, collaborations, networking. And sometimes you have to say no, because even though it may be a good opportunity, does it line up with your core values? And that's one way to try to separate out so much coming at us. Because what I find is that you can have so many voices till it drowns out your voice to where it's like, you know what? I think you should do this. I think you would be great at this. I think, and it's one thing if it's a confirmation of someone that you know that you already are. But sometimes we have to be careful because other people have an angle, they have a motive, but instead of being fearful of, is this the right thing? Should I do this? Should I take this opportunity? Sometimes if you come back to your core values, um, even if there's no pay in it, like for example, with, with my coaching business, I, I used to run a nonprofit, but then I merged them both. Because what I found is that instead of spreading myself so thin, I could just have a charitable giving program under my company. And one thing I like to do is have resources available where I set up a stand in like a salon and I just donate books, books on self-help, books on finances, parenting, because that's one way if, if something happens like with COVID. And I can't get out there and physically volunteer. I can sow those seeds. So I I gave that example because sometimes you'll be presented with things. But even though there's no money in that, it fits that core value that I have of community. 
it if it's that one. And so maybe it's not about my family per se, but it's about that core value. And so if you keep your core values right in front of you, it just helps with your decision-making. Yes. I mean, and I think about, that's a fantastic starting point. If you are trying to figure out what topics will you speak on? If you think about what are those three things that are most important to you? I think that helps lead you down a path of, okay, these are probably the areas in which you need to speak. These are the spaces that you need to spend time becoming an expert. So identifying your, 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 your core values and starting with two or three is good. I don't, you know, just make it easy for yourself. Yes. But what, yeah. What? Right. Right. This is not supposed to be hard. If it gets to be hard, then you don't want to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You're you're forcing. You're forcing it, and we want to flow. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Shar, you've seen a lot of professional speakers. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what athletes, professional athletes, watch other professional <laughs> athletes. Uh, that's just what we do. What is it that some of the most dynamic speakers you've seen, what is it that they do that we should all do or we should think about doing? One of my favorites is Les Brown. (laughs) And he's simply one of my favorites because he has this down-to-earth attitude, but he's very serious about his message. And it's a message that goes beyond himself. Like, for example, those core values that I mentioned, if you think about it with Les Brown, like that's why it's so so pivotal to keep those in focus because I could say, well, I really like Les Brown, but then when I think about it, why do I like him so much? Because he talks about Aunt Mamie. He talks about his mom, family. He talks about uh, the places that he's volunteered and that he's given back community you know he he interjects whether he calls it scripture he interjects biblical principles when he says things like you know get out here and um remember that all things work together for your good you know may not have been good but all things work together for your good see that taps into the faith part of my value system so it works in so many different areas. Like if you think to yourself, why do I like this so much? If you think about it, it probably lines up with your value system. And so he's one of the people that I, I like to listen to and I've liked to model myself after. And the thing that I think people can learn from when it comes to him is just the discipline, the, the passion, you know, just the, um, the way that he's so certain and confident about himself and he has fun. <laughs> he has fun. I mean, he's guaranteed to make you laugh a few times. Uh, if you're listening to him at, at any time with his live videos or just the speeches, he's guaranteed to make you laugh. And so those are the things I would encourage speakers to do. Make it within your personality type, but don't be afraid to interject some humor don't be afraid to be yourself, but if there's a funny part of you, take advantage of that. 
use it. Like use whatever you have that's specific to you. Make sure you add that in your speeches. Exactly. Exactly. Don't stress too much about trying to emulate someone else. I Mm -hmm. love the idea of identifying those speakers who already have established themselves as essentially celebrities in this game. Identify those that tend to have or tend to speak on or speak in ways that align with your core values. So figure out those core values, everybody. For what do you stand? I remember my paternal adoptive grandfather would say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I know that he wasn't the one who came up with that, but he would say that. (laughs) incessantly both he and his brother Anthony and Lewis they were brothers um just uh, maybe just a few years apart from each other and he would also tell me don't accept any wooden nickels that means <laughs> don't fall for anything stupid don't do anything dumb so figure out what is that for which you stand what are what are non-negotiables for you exactly what you know what is it where when you peel it all back boil it all down size it all up these mm-hmm. are the three to five principles that are just yes. center of who you are Shar, you're going to get a chance to ask me a question in a second so okay. yes get your thinking cap on okay. my next question for you is how long have you been speaking? Like, what was your first presentation that you can think of? And if you could go back to that first presentation, what would you do differently? I've been speaking, not professionally, but I started speaking at different, like women's conferences, things like that. And that's been over 10 years. But that was in a different space as a professional speaker where I go out to just different spaces that started with COVID and mm. it started because I had gotten to a place where I knew I needed to branch out, but there was some, there was some fear because you're making the transition from um, like my story with my career wasn't one that, Oh, I hate my job. And I hate, you know, I hate working here. I hate my boss. No, it wasn't that. It was, I was a rock star. So that wasn't the thing. The thing was, I just didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't, I I knew there was more in me. So that's what caused the transition because when COVID hit, it gave me the time to actually sit down and, and, and map this out and, take the courses that I needed to court to take, you know, and I'll tell people, one of the things I recommend is to invest in yourself. Don't expect to just know certain things. You can be gifted, you could be talented, but even the professional athletes practice, they practice. And so you have to know that when somebody's trying to sell you a course, it's not just for their benefit. It's for your benefit as well. But just be selective about the different courses that you're going to take. But know that when you invest in yourself, you want to fine tune your gifts. You want to make sure that 
that inside information, that person that's actually been down that road and now they're taking their expertise and they're trying to teach you in a matter of nine weeks. So that's going to cost you. And sometimes it's the part where we really, because it's like offering time at church. People get uncomfortable and they start looking around and they don't really want to hear about the money. But I would be remiss if I told someone that it's not valuable and it's not helpful because nothing just happens. You don't just see people get out here. Maybe you see the finished product, but there's a lot that goes into things behind the scenes and you just have to put that work in and you have to be dedicated. So that's what, that's what I would tell people is just to know that when you make that transition, follow your heart, follow your dreams, but handle your business, handle the business side of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) that's a whole other conversation handling the business side of it. Should you waive your fee to speak? Uh, Yeah, that's, that's a conversation. Uh, Should you think about other ways that you can be compensated for your speaking? Or if you're doing this as part of a company, this is part of your job, well, that's a whole other conversation. But if you decide to also do this as a quote unquote side hustle, you definitely want to treat this as a business. And I go through this list of, oh, I can't remember. I think I have 15 must do items in one of my books entitled on the microphone, actually Mm -hmm. one of my books entitled on the microphone, where I think there are 15 items that I list for how to launch your speaking business, that these are the 15 things that you must do if you want to treat this as a true business. And then I believe I have 10 to 15 other items that are kind of nice to do items. But once Mm -hmm. you check off those first 15, then you can start looking at those other 10 to 15 items. But yeah, the book is, you know, on the microphone, how 50 of the world's best professional speakers launch their careers and how you can too. And this is, yes, this was just everything that I wish, I had known when Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'm about to make this a business. And then you were talking about Char putting in the work. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of times people will say, okay, I get it. I'm not afraid of hard work, but what exactly do I do when you say put in the work? So this is, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. And there are four things that you need to do when it comes to putting in the work to continue to develop. Because Char was thinking about that first presentation versus now. She was thinking about 10 years ago versus COVID and her presentations. And how you figure out how to improve. It's very, very easy. There are four areas I want you to look at how you look, how you sound, what you say, and how you say it. So get yourself a recording, whether you use your phone that's sitting on a tripod over in the, on the side of the room, or if you're able to get a videographer, or if you're able to have a trusted friend video you, or if you can only do audio, that's fine too. It doesn't help with the how you look piece, but you know, how you look, how you sound, what you say, and how you say it, or how you said it. Look at those four areas, assess Uh those, okay? Did you look confident? Did Uh you look friendly? Think about your core values. Think about the kind of message you want to send your audience and ask yourself as you're looking at that video footage of yourself. And again, it does not have to be professional footage, but as you look at that and pretend you don't know yourself, 
You are a stranger in the audience looking uh-huh. at that person up there on that stage. And is your look, body language, facial yes. expressions, attire, everything is everything about your look, singing the message to your audience that you wanted to have of you. That's Next, great. how you sound. Are you using an ideal speaking voice? Are you Mm -hmm. speaking at a rate that doesn't make you sound bored? Are you speaking at a rate that doesn't make you sound nervous and scared and like you just want to get this over with? How you you sound, right? And then what you say. Is every single word spoken with intention? Does every single word bring value to the audience? Does every single story make sense? Is everything you say... It's words that uplift everybody and that get you closer to your message. And then finally, how you say it. Is it a voice that you would want to hear time and time again? Is everything you say thoughtful, helpful, important, necessary, kind? Use the acronym THINK. Is everything that you're saying thoughtful, helpful, important, necessary, kind. So go through that list of four, how you look, how you sound, what you say and how you say it. And there, my friends, how you put in the work to improve from the first speech to the next, to the last. I love that. That's awesome advice. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I talk more about those four pillars in another book, called show up and show out. Now, Shar, it is your chance to talk to <laughs> me or to put me in the hot seat. What's your question for me? Okay, my question for you, Bridget, is what is your most memorable speech? Where were you? What was the topic and what made it what makes it the most memorable speech for you? My most memorable speech was uh, May of 2019 in Washington, D.C. at its convention center there at the Association for Talent Development uh, International Conference. I think they were celebrating their 76th year. Yes. Uh, and the topic of the presentation was the topic of the presentation was presentation skills. Of course, that's typically <laughs> what I'm speaking on. It's sad. I remember what I was wearing more quickly than I remember the topic of the presentation. <sighs> what made that speech so memorable was it, it goes back to something that you talked about and you taught us earlier about being yourself and being authentic. Okay. And that was sadly enough, 2019, my friends, and I've been speaking since 2001 professionally. Mm -hmm. What made it memorable was I was, I I let down my guard. I got off script. I moved away from the PowerPoint and I, I don't remember what had happened, what someone had just said, or maybe a point I had just covered, but it caused a click in my mind and mm-hmm. it made me ask, uh, raise your hand. How many of you attended last year's conference in San Diego, the 75th uh, anniversary of ATD? Several people raised their hands. I said, oh my goodness. 
Can you tell a difference between that presentation and this one? Oh, yeah. Uh (laughs) I had a life altering incident. Wow. just, Just hours before my presentation in San Diego. It was one where I really needed to, to say no, to just say, listen, this just happened at this conference and I, I am not in a mental space to make this presentation, but you know how we do the mm-hmm. show must go on. I mean, yes. I had flown, I had actually gone to a cousin's graduation out in Memphis. I had flown from Memphis to Phoenix, had a layover, sent my family on their way, and then flew to San Diego, <laughs> jumped in the Uber, went to, right, I, I had gone through too much. And then mm-hmm. it was a long trip getting to Memphis. That's a whole other story. I had had a tough several days under my belt at that point. And I have a mm-hmm. fantastic family. Uh, they're great to travel with, even when everything's not smooth. Right. <laughs> still, it just, it had been a yes. lot. I had to do that presentation. And then I had all these people. It was a room that held hundreds of folks. I don't know how, it was a huge room. Wow. So I couldn't back out. Yes. But I was not in a mental space to do that presentation. So I just went in there, Char, and I did the best I could. And uh-huh. so I told them, that I met an uncle at that conference who did not know I existed. I saw his name tag and I knew exactly who he was and the likelihood that he and I would be at this conference together. There's 14, 15,000 people at this conference and that that he would happen to have on his name badge. Right. And that I would have the courage to approach him and say, you know, essentially I'm your niece. You don't know anything about me the family doesn't know that I exist and so on and so forth but yeah wow and I never prepared for that moment because Sometimes I told that ends up being the most is because it, it, it taps back into that authenticity yeah yeah so I but I tell the audience in Washington DC that when they saw me at that presentation just hours before I had met him and I build up to the story, right? I'm telling him, yeah, I'm strolling through. I see his name tag and I'm saying to myself, do I approach him? Do I not? Do I approach him? Do I not? I don't want to get on that plane tomorrow and have regret for not having approached him. But then what if I approach him and he's like, get away from me, you looney tune, you nut job. (laughs) And then what is that going to do to me? So I said, when you saw me make that presentation, I had every emotion in my head possible swim, swirling around. And I was just doing the best I could to not just fall down and ball up in a, in a ball and cry. And you know? <laughs> because he and I, you know, we cried. I cried. I mean, I looked wow. like a hot mess, but I, <laughs> you know, went in the ladies room and touched up the mascara and reapplied mm-hmm. the lip gloss and you know, went on, but they That's say, right. oh yes, we see a huge difference. They're like, I mean, you were good in San Diego. Right. <laughs> this is like, whoa, you good, know, good. Right. <laughs> good, good. This is worth the price of admission here. And so that was one of my most memorable presentations because I just stepped away from the script. I stepped away from the PowerPoint and I told this story that was applicable at the moment. I think we were talking about how what do you do when you're in a situation where you, you know, I just really don't feel like doing this presentation. I just, you know, I think that was a question that someone in the audience uh-huh. 
pose. They said, Bridget, I mean, what you, you seem like you're on, you're ready, but do you ever have moments when you just don't want to? And I think that's, that's what led to that. I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. How many of y'all were at that presentation last year? And then we just kind of went down that road. So going where the audience takes you, not yes. being afraid to get off script and not being afraid to reveal, you know, certain personal things about you. I mean, it took yes. me a very long time, many years to reveal to people that I am adopted to just say that. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of emotions that come with that and a lot of processing that I've had to do. So you, the listener out there in Own the Microphone Veal, you think mm-hmm. about what is personal to you that you're cool with sharing. I'm not saying make your life an open book. Right, right. But what is it that you're cool and comfortable uh, talking about that may be off script, but that supports your script, that has the audience taking away a message. And I want you to start digging deep. And this message is for you as much as it is for me to start mm-hmm. digging more deeply and thinking about some of the stories. Cause Oh, I have stories. This is one <laughs> every day. I need a film crew. I need a camera crew following me and my family <laughs> on a daily basis. So dig deeply and say, what stories do I have that can support the message that I want to put out to the world that can support my core values. That was a fantastic question, Char. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I like to do good interviews and I like to conduct good interviews. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on it today. You're checking all of the boxes today. One last box I need you to check for us. Mm-hmm. What else sure. do listeners need to know so that they can be strong, they can be confident, they can be powerful whenever they make a presentation. I'm going to use your story as an example of the point I'm about to make. And because I didn't know your story before you told me that one, one of the things I want people to know is trust yourself, use your gifts. So my gift is sometimes I can sit across from a person and just like kind of look at their story, listen to their story and get a message out of it and translate it. Your story is an example of, metaphorically, even though there may be the chance of rejection, you have to go for it. You have to step forward. And you have to get rid of the idea that, what if I didn't do this? And Because if you didn't, you would regret it. So your story says to me, go for it. You may risk being rejected, but nine times out of 10, it's going to work in your favor. And when you flow into that, people are going to receive you. People are going to receive you. So often we think, well, what I have isn't that important or what, you know, nobody really wants to hear what I have or nobody, nobody cares, (laughs) but that's a lie. Somebody cares. And the fear that we have, we've got to press past it because like you said, some days you're not going to feel like it, but if you only, there's a phrase that says, a saying that if you only walk on the days that you feel like walking, you'll never get to where you're going. Press past the risk of rejection. 
press past your feelings of, I don't feel like it and go for it. And on the other side of that, you'll see the reward. You'll see that people will receive you. The people that are meant to receive you will receive you. There are some people in this world, they will never, they'll never click like, they will never share, they will never say congratulations, but those aren't the people that you need to be concerned about. Those aren't your people. And, And don't take it personal, but look at it like this. There's somebody counting on you to make it. Think about those people. So that's what I would tell your listeners. Don't be afraid of rejection. Go for it. Your story has the power to set somebody free. You made it through it. And now it's your turn to help somebody else along the way. Just like somebody said something to help you when you were in the midst of your problems. Now you got to give back. You got to pay it forward. You're not going to believe this, Char, but in recent days, Because of that story I shared with you, I decided to start working on a new presentation that I offer called Sometimes a Rejection is a Redirection. I (laughs) I, I'm not even lying to you. I just put together in recent days where I said, you know, Bridget, you need to you need to talk about, and there are three big rejections in life that I've had ended up being redirections. They weren't Mm -hmm. no's. They were just, you need to do something else right now. So yes. I just had to share that with you. But yes, when I'm, I'm still <laughs> creating it in my mind. Awesome. The, yes, the idea, sometimes a rejection is a redirection. So everybody stay tuned. I, I don't know what the presentation is going to look like, but my goal is to have it out to the world soon. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, that That's when you, wonderful. The minute you start talking <laughs> about rejection, I was like, oh, this this is wild. I just started started working on that. Okay, that was awesome. Well, here are some of my <laughs> takeaways from you. Your gifts are so much bigger than helping the people who are in your circle. If people are holding on to your words, then it is your responsibility to help push people's dreams out of them. You're not for everybody, but you are for somebody. Your story has the ability to set people free. It is your broken pieces that make up your master piece. Get people out of a victim mentality so they can change to being victors. Bring the fire. Speak from the heart. What comes from the heart reaches the heart. Shar, you've reached all of our hearts today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. I had a wonderful time. The feeling's mutual. The feeling's mutual. Everybody, we trust you can say the same. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. 